Hello, Kubernetes community, and welcome back to another episode of the Pod Cuddle Podcast. Tyler, we uh, we missed last week. We were both sort of in between traveling and PTO and other stuff, and uh, but it's good to be back. Good to good to be talking again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's uh, you know as, as we mentioned last time. Luck, luckily, from a news perspective, it's it's a bit of a slow time, and I think that gives us time to kind of catch up on some fundamentals too. Yeah, exactly. It's um, summer is is always tough because people are they go on vacation. Um, you know, we end up having some some work we have to do. There's not so much trade shows. There's not so much news. But sometimes we will uh, we will occasionally miss a show during the summer month. So apologize for that. Um, a little bit of news. I guess there's a little bit of news this week. Um, so last week was DockerCon. Um, not uh, not a lot of news coming out of DockerCon, but I guess you know it's it's an interesting thing. I, I'm you know I've had a chance to talk to a few people. Um, you know, definitely a shift in Docker's thinking about moving more towards Kubernetes. From what I hear, very little about Swarm. Um, but not a lot of announcements in terms of of a lot of things about Kubernetes. Maybe one or two announcements here and there. Yeah, I mean, I saw that, you know, Windows support, which, you know, obviously, um, there, there's more upstream work to be done there. But, you know, sort of the type of marketing approach of like, hey, yeah, we, it works because it, you know, yeah, it it's is more uh, coming out in the fall more type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Especially because it's dependent on Microsoft doing stuff, as, as we've talked about on, you know, some of the Windows container episodes. Um, the one I found kind of interesting was their positioning uh, change because I mean, if you think about Docker, kind of how you know previous Docker cons and how they talked about containers and sort of their products, enterprise products, it was sort of this like it's all about the experience. We're going to give you this, um, you know, top to bottom. It's all integrated. It's easy, point and click. Docker Swarm, one click, get a cluster. Everything was very focused on uh, ease of developer use uh, and the value of the everything from itself. So like the Docker engine, um, you know, the the you know swarm pieces up into the you know desktop tools. And one of the you know, one of their announcements was sort of like, hey, we can manage multiple clusters. Uh, you know, sort of a dashboard to install and manage multiple, you know, see multiple Kubernetes clusters in one place because, as you said, they pretty much did not talk much about Swarm. They were talking about Kubernetes, but also was like, oh, and that includes, you know, some of the public cloud providers like EKS and AKS and stuff like that, right. which which what's funny to me is, is it's not only not their management components, it's not even their, in, you know, it's, it, long term, like it's it could be Cryo or, you know, uh, you know, something along those lines where it's not even their engine. So, you know, what are they, what are they really providing at that? You know where where they see their value you know, as a as a customer, you know where they see their you know value from that, um, yeah. especially because it's you know it's not like a a crazy new thing like uh, CoreOS had some of that type of stuff. Rancher, I believe a couple others like oh you can you right. know control see multiple Kubernetes clusters and multiple clouds and stuff like that. So it was kind of kind of interesting to hear them kind of make a big deal about that when went from like if you use all our stuff everything's super easy to we're making it easier to use everyone else's stuff, we think, sort of. Yeah, that was uh, that was the thing that jumped out at me. I, I, I didn't see them go into a lot of details of sort of what was what was the technology under the covers. It did um, it did seem sort of similar to like some of the tools that Rancher, or like you said, CoreOS provide today, where um, you know it, it's sort of a manager of managers type of tool, right? Like see multiple clusters with one single pane of glass. Um, I don't know. It wasn't clear if it's sort of based on any of the uh, Kubernetes V2 federation stuff I kind of think maybe it loosely is but but that's that work is still kind of in progress so um so yeah but you're right it was you know we went from 
Docker being, you know, super focused on like, we will provide every bit of technology that you need from security to the platform, to the, to the runtime, to everything to, to now, you know, they were, they were talking a lot about choice, which was, uh, you know, you've got new leadership, you've got, you know, um, Solomon Hikes has left and Ben Golub is out and, and you've got a new CEO. So, you know, you're definitely going to get a new set of, of perspective from the company. And, um, you know, it seemed like they, they were more focused on choice than on um, than Docker driving anything, which is you know an interesting transition from where they were, say six or nine months or a year ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, you know, and, and one of the interesting things I, I always so I you know being in in the tech space for quite a long time, the mythical single pane of glass um, has now appropriately taken a negative connotation because it's always like, well, if we just had one screen where we could see everything. Um, it, you know, is, is where people think there's value and then, you know, it doesn't end up being, uh, as much, you know, we even see that, you know, Red Hat, we told cloud forms that you can see multiple, you know, clusters and, and different layers and stuff. And in some specific use cases, it's really valuable, but it's, it's interesting to see, you know, mainly new entrance to Kubernetes big thing being like, we can show all your clusters in one web page right, as being right. like this, this big missing thing that customers are clamoring for. And, you know, honestly, I think that that's, that's not it's the federation type stuff and even why it's federation v2 because i think even the original federation talks were based on we assume people want this thing but now that kubernetes is is you know in production being run a lot of places it was better feedback from actual users of saying you know what actually would be super useful in our real world use cases is this and that's what kind of kicked off the the federation v2 stuff yep yep so yeah other than that you know not a lot of uh, of news per se i mean not a lot that would uh, actually that's not true um the uh the uh, Azure Container Service AKS is now GA. So congratulations to uh, to the to the Azure team. Uh, I think it rolled out, and I think they said about ten different um, regions around the world. So congratulations to uh, to Gabe and, and all the folks that uh, that work on that. So that's a that's a big milestone to have another um, public cloud, you know, large public cloud that has a, a GA uh, Kubernetes offering. Oh yeah, and and actually even AWS EKS G eight was that last week or the week yeah, before? Yeah, I, I think we missed. Yeah, I think it was the week week we missed. So now we've got Google AWS and, and GKE all you know all GA, GA which is great. It's good good milestone for the industry. Absolutely. So um, so I thought today we would talk. We had a we had a follow up question that came from one of our listeners. So it's it's been nice the last couple of weeks. We've had listeners that have suggested topics to us. It makes our job a little easier. Um, who said, hey, you know, I listened to one of your shows about how to get applications onto Kubernetes. And it was, you know, us talking about, you know, they can be containerized, there can be other tools that will build the containers for you. And they basically said, hey, could you talk a little bit about kind of the interaction between CI, CD pipelines and Kubernetes? And, you know, do you have any suggestions, recommendations, that sort of thing? So I thought maybe we would sort of talk about this space as a whole and, and kind of give some guidance about, uh, you know, what what things people have been doing and we've seen in the market and, and so forth. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a really good topic. And I think it's also good to kind of start off with, you know, we kind of use that as the shorthand CICD, CICD. Um, and, w- you know, I don't think we talk enough, especially for newcomers to sort of that approach, whether they're doing DevOps or whatever, of like what those words mean, or, you know, what they stand for, what they mean. So CI being continuous integration and CD being continuous delivery. Um, and because they have that CI, CD slash, people assume they're like slightly different names for the same thing. Um, but I think it's more just because you can use a lot of the same tooling to do both of these things, even though they're different things. Yeah. Um, so, so usually I, I would say start, starting with CI, continuous integration, um, what that just basically means is the concept of 
always bringing the code back together, testing and integrating the code. So, you know, if, if you were working on a big enough piece of code and, you know, you and I are developers and there's 10 other developers, as we, you know, as we're working on our piece of the code, um, when we make commits, they're tested in the context of the overall code um, and rolled into it. Uh, versus, you know, some older traditional methodologies would be like, I take my code off to the side for a while, work on it, work on it, work on it. Then we bring it back and we do integration testing to make sure it all works still with the main code and the changes that you made and the other developers made. Where this idea is just like, let's constantly be doing that because we'll uncover a problem a lot quicker versus I was working on my, my own code for a month. We came back and something I was working on like two days in broke everything over here. So now we got to kind of like figure out how to fix that right uh, so that that's where you start is sort of continuous integration and it doesn't have to apply to some sort of you know etsy type model where you're doing deployments all the time even just a traditional software monolith just saying like hey we have a ton of integration tests and you know when we make commits they, they're tested and they're rolled into the central code base right and it's you know it, it really sort of becomes a couple of things one it becomes uh, the place where where everybody's committing. So, like you said, you get you get the code all into one place. You manage version control with that. Um, it becomes the place where you can do. Um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of all the right words, but in, in essence, you're you're doing some some security type of testing on it. You're making sure that no uh, you know malware or malicious code is getting introduced, maybe through something that you you're dependent on. Um, it's a place where. You're typically, as you're writing code, you're going to also be writing your tests, and you're going to be doing those together. Um, you know, and it, and it really ultimately be, is is the place where um, you know if you're getting away from from waterfall type of development, where you'll write code like you said off to the side for for months at a time, and then you you know everybody's got their own branch, and you try and merge a bunch of branches together, and you just have you know dependencies and failures and failures, and and whoever's the build manager has you know a miserable day or a miserable week or or however long it takes to go resolve those that's you know that that's that and I, and I think what we've seen in the marketplace is while containers are cool and kubernetes is cool and all these things are, are new and cool um the companies that ultimately end up being successful are the ones that more than anything else get ci right right if you you start to get ci right which is the kind of the hygiene of of, of writing code of writing tests um, and then getting the culture around like, hey, how are we going to do this in a way that we're all committing at a regular interval? Um, that probably more than anything is a, a measurement of whether, you know, these the, your your agility, your digital transformation, whatever will be successful. Yeah. And I, th I think it spawned a number of sort of like subtopics there, like things like uh, test driven development where it's like, hey, write your integrate, you know, write your tests. And then, you know, write the code from that versus sort of like, you know, in, in a lot of traditional models, tests, writing tests falls on the same as writing documentation where it's like, no, 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 we build the code first. And that's the thing we do later. And it's usually not given the full attention um, with with continuous integration, making sure these tests are there are, are crucial because, you know, they affect each other. And and the beautiful piece of it is just being able to catch something really early. So if I do two commits and one of them I need, oh, I found out this this upstream this module i was using um there's a bug in it so i'm using the new version of the module so i change it and and then i go to merge it back in and then it's like whoa it's a mismatch with someone else's code and what we need now we can stop right there before either of us are very far into sort of can we use the newer version what effects does that have and and kind of mash that out versus like hey we have 50 of these we need to figure out from the last couple of months we've been working on yep yeah and I, and i think you know in the context of ci what are what are some of the more 
well-known CI tools that people use or things that, you know, people might, as they're going around, you know, find in their organization that somebody's already using or there's a team that sort of runs this? What are, what are some of the more common, popular ones that are out there? Well, I, I think it, it, it's basically two tools you need, right? One, which we've kind of talked about a little bit, is version control mm-hmm. of some sort where we're using centralized version control. Um, so whether we're checking out you know, branches or, or how we're doing our development, we have a, a central you know, kind of source of truth and we're managing all the different versions for all of the code in one place. Um, and that's things like, like Git, GitHub, GitLab, um, you know, there's there's a ton of other ones, uh, you know, that have existed through the years. Uh, the other piece is some sort of uh, tool that will, do, you know, when you go to commit, do the steps to make sure it can be integrated. Whether it's you know running all your tests, doing builds, uh, whatever it needs to be, and that's stuff like uh, obviously Jenkins being the most popular. It's been you know it's been around for a while. Um, uh, Circle CI, Travis CI. Um, are pretty big ones, Travis being like a, a SaaS uh, offering. Um, Spinnaker is, came from the um, Netflix OSS right. space right. Uh, that does building. So it's kind of when it's like Jenkins was sort of built specifically around this sort of like pipeline concept, where Spinnaker is more built as like a deployment tool. Um, but again, you know, what you're doing for these steps are, are running, running tests and then, you know, doing builds, running tests, and then, you know, checking the outcome. You can use tools like that to do uh, this type of thing. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think as we, we get into things like Spinnaker and all, um, you know, and even things like uh, like this, this sort of new variation on Jenkins called Jenkins X, I, I think what we're going to see is that there are tools that are probably more would fit in the CI mold, right? They're, they're part of the sort of CI space. And then there's some that are trying to be both CI and CD and, and things like Jenkins and, and, uh, or I'm sorry, Jenkins X and, um, some of the GitOps type of thinking that's, that's beginning to emerge and Spinnaker and all sort of start to fit into that space, sort of blurring that, that line. So, um, well, let's talk about CD a little bit. I, you know, one of the, one of the interesting, comments that I've heard. Um, so we've had Clayton Coleman on. Clayton, one of the you know, top developers or contributors to the to the Kubernetes project. He's lead architect here at Red Hat. You know, he often says, um, you know, the, the, the way you want to think about design for these things is, is CI can be whatever is whatever works for you. Jenkins, Bamboo, Team City, Circle CI, Travis, whatever. But the you know what what we've been trying to do with Kubernetes is really make Kubernetes the CD system, right? It is the thing that you should be able to continuously deploy um, to Kubernetes, and it you know it provides you a mechanism through a lot of the different deployment models um, to deploy frequently, to make updates on a rolling basis, blue green canary, and so forth. Um, and I think maybe that's a point where people kind of get confused: is you know is there a separate CD system, or should Kubernetes be the CD system? And I think there's probably scenarios where it could be either one. Yeah, I, I think it's, you know, so, you know, that main difference between continuous integration, and continuous delivery is continuous integration. We're integrating the code back into, you know, and having the outcome of each commit be a deployable version of the code. You may not deploy it, but a deployable version of the code um, that's, that's you know, kind of central and, and fully integrated. Uh, continuous delivery is the idea of then taking that code and regularly pushing it into, you know, through the pipeline to production. So, uh, you know, like I mentioned earlier, that Etsy model of like, hey, we can make a change at Google, other places where it's just like we're constantly making small changes and it can push through to production. So, I mean, under the cover, sort of like what are the pieces are somewhat the same, right? So it's 
taking you know you're getting some sort of trigger some sort of event that says hey we 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 have a new version so someone commits code um so the first thing is building the code and running through all the tests to make sure it, it actually works um that type of stuff integration testing things like that um so then deploy you know the difference is continuous integration basically stops at that point and says cool your code's good it's fun. the stuff that's in say git is, is fine we ran all the tests cool what the continuous delivery is doing is saying okay pass all the tests now let's move it to the next environment and actually deploy it so there's some sort of tool usually doing the building say if it's you know like i said spinnaker jenkins x uh and that's where this all gets kind of fuzzy whether you're doing it for ci cd or the same tools and that's kind of why i think we use that ci slash cd you know sort of acronym um but then at the end it lands somewhere uh and it lands you know you know more commonly these days in containers and, and most commonly in kubernetes because it has a lot of that sort of uh understanding of, of of complex distributed apps so that way you can say like here we're going to replace this one microservice or whatever with this new version of code and and just have that all happen off of the code commits yep yep yeah i think the conversations that that we tend to have um and i don't think this is this is OpenShift specific i think uh, anybody in the kubernetes space probably has these kinds of conversations um i, I tend to find there's <clears throat> there's sort of two kinds of conversations you have one of them is um should you know? Is there a specific CI tool that you recommend we use? And I think we've found that while you can recommend something to people, um, you know, CI tools are a they're a fairly complicated thing. I mean, it's you know, it'd be like going into a factory and saying like tear out all of your, you know, uh, you know, tear out all of the production area that you have and, and redo it with something else. Like people have have crafted that over time. They've gotten used to certain tools. Um, so we we tend to tell people that. You know, we, we do a lot of work around integrating with Jenkins, but we will integrate with Bamboo, Team City, lots of other stuff. Um, and as long as at the end of that CI run, when it when it says, "Hey, I have an artifact that I want to move into somewhere," um, we can basically say, "Hey, give us a give us a webhook, give us some some notification that that artifact is ready to go." And uh, you know, OpenShift slash Kubernetes will then take that and and pull that into you know, into the environment, whether that's the dev environment or the production environment, um, and go ahead and, 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 you know, build it if necessary, but run it, uh, according to, to given things. And that's, that tends to be the first hurdle that people have to get over is like, do, am, am I forced to use a certain CI tool or, you know, can you be flexible about that? Yeah. And I, and I think as, you know, the, the explosion of popularity of Kubernetes have, have made pretty much all the CI vendors, you know, support it as a place you know, both to run the CI tool itself. Um, so you see Helm charts and stuff like that for, for Jenkins. And, you know, obviously, like you said, we have, we have plugins for it and stuff like that. But also, um, you know, deploying to Kubernetes as, you know, as that destination. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's really the, that's the outcome, you know, it's that, that CDP seems kind of scary at the beginning was like, developer commits code, goes through a bunch of steps. Now it's in production. And I, and I think, you know, kind of that may not fit for all your software environment. You know, it's not, I even feel like that's a company wide model. That's like a per sort of project model where it's like, Oh, we have this older thing that we used to do waterfall. Now we're doing better continuous integration and, and we're doing better testing and this is all good. Uh, but we're not super ready to go to full blown CD, but Hey, this new, uh, you know, our new mobile based thing that's all written in JavaScript or, you know, or Node.js. Yeah. We're doing continuous delivery with that. Yep. <clears throat> the other, the other conversation I think that we see a lot is people are starting to realize like, oh, okay, we, we're, we're getting CI right. 
Um, the CI environment takes up a lot of servers, right? In essence, it's, you know, that we, we want to do builds faster. We want to have a lot of available servers to do that. It, it chews up CPU and, and so on and so forth. And, and then what they realize is, you know, it's sort of a spike, you know, depending on the, the environment, again, depends on the environment, but it can very much be a very spiky environment. You may have times when the resources are used incredibly heavily, you know, 80, 90% utilization, and other times when they're used very infrequently, right? And they become, you know, sort of a, a normal, spiky, seasonal, you know, weekly type of thing. And people start to ask, well, you know, can, can, can Kubernetes help with that at all? Is there any way, like, would I ever think about running my CI pipeline, Jenkins, for example, on top of Kubernetes and letting Kubernetes treat it as a certain deployment model, in which case, when it, you know, we can, we can prioritize it, I can run it, um, it'll use however many resources it needs to, it can use scaling and so forth, but then it sort of scales down when it doesn't need to. Is there ways to do that? And we get that question a lot from people is, is that a good idea? Yeah, well, I think it's it's also kind of a piece of its understanding how tools like this work. Uh, you know, Jenkins, you know, it's not this monolith, right? It's it's code that's running that's kind of coordinating this pipeline. Um, but when you know, if you're using Kubernetes sort of like across your environment, say it's your dev and, and test environment, when you know you commit a piece of code and and Jenkins sees that you know that webhook that the code's changed and now it kicks off a, the pipeline and it's going to do a build and stuff like that. Um, some of that happens, yes, on the Jenkins infrastructure itself, and some of it is like that's what runs on Kubernetes. So you know we have you know these test suites running; they may be running in containers on Kubernetes. That's you know quote Jenkins kicked it off, but it's it's not you know like literally on the Jenkins kind of master server. Um, so that's the nice thing, and why I think we see a lot with this in test and dev environments is you have both Jenkins running on the platform on the Kube dev environment that can scale. Um, and then also having enough space to to scale a lot of these, um, you know, test events and everything on the on the platform itself, too. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we can keep talking about this for, for quite a while. We put a bunch of things in the show notes. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, <clears throat> you know, the, the two or three sort of takeaways that we would have for people sort of guidance on this is um, there are plenty of, of very good CI tools out there. Um, I know from an OpenShift perspective, we we probably tend to talk about Jenkins more so, and that's really just because that's the, probably the most frequently used tools by people. And and you know, there's communities around that people are able to to work with communities. Um, but but there's not necessarily like a, a must have CI tool for 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 Kubernetes. Most of them have adapted, you know, have plugins to work with Kubernetes. So so that's good. Um, the second thing is. You know, understand the difference between CI and, and CD. Um, that that they are distinct functions. You want to be good at. You, you definitely want to be good at CI, and then you've got some options in terms of CD as to whether that should be a separate tool like a Spinnaker, or that should be Kubernetes, or you know some other mechanism. And then the last thing is, you know, as you're as you're getting better at CI and CD, is you know, does it make sense to to integrate it even more tightly with Kubernetes and and run those resources on the platform and and take advantage if it's spiky in your environment? Uh, that might make sense. It might not make sense because of you know who owns that environment and 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 pays for it and all that stuff. But um, I don't know, T- Tyler. Any other kind of big takeaways people should have around around this space to go explore? Testing is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> more build it. You know, it's it's you know often. Um, 
you know, kind of the, the struggle of, you know, the traditional model of being like, I'm a developer, I wrote all this code, then I hand it off to QA who runs a bunch of tests and QA is responsible for the test is kind of like the not my problem uh, kind of thing. But, you know, and I think that's sort of that whole developers carrying a pager mindset with DevOps is not so much like, hey, you should do two jobs at the same time, but the idea of just like, you should care about the whole thing. Um, and I think that that's where CICD comes into where it's like, hey, I want to make sure I write good tests for my part of the code. So that way, if someone else's thing breaks my stuff, I know about it. Or, you know, if I break someone else's stuff, we know about it. Um, so at tests, it's, it's not a very glorious piece of uh, development, um, but it's it can be one of the most powerful uh, when it comes to uh, really speeding up your your development. Yeah, absolutely. So test early, test often, and uh, testing will will most likely save your bacon. So um, definitely, uh, definitely heed that advice. Well, listen, man, I think, you know, we, we've sort of talked to this probably as much as we can without getting into just a whole bunch of details on one specific implementation. Um, and like I said, we tried to put a bunch of things in the show notes for people that want to dig into it some more. So I think we're going to wrap it up with that. Um, folks, as always, thanks for listening. Um, for folks who have been sending us topics and questions to review uh, we really appreciate it like we said it makes our job a little easier but it also makes sure that uh, we're listening to things that you want to hear about so thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week